0: Watching on the Facebook, I was dancing. I just um, one of my guests said, "Is there a dance number that starts off the show?" And I guess now there is. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connected, coming at you like I do every single Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time, just below the roof, above the second floor, back in the attic. We weren't in the attic last week. It's on a hiatus. A little bit of a road trip. I missed the attic attic miss me and we're glad to be back together today is the 20th episode of a show i call philanthropy and focus focus is spelled p-h-o-c-u-s because I, I, I thought alliteration was my favorite grammatical tool but a couple weeks ago i realized it's the only one i actually know so i like alliteration and i grew up in the late 80s 90s I was born in 1978 um and we used to say the word FAT, P-H-A-T. So philanthropy starts with PH. Focus now does. In my world, it starts. So stay focused. Stay focused and join me in the attic every Friday morning. I Look, if you've been checking in in the past or if you know me in, in kind of the real life, the outside the attic life, you know I'm passionate about this nonprofit sector. I believe that this sector is overlooked, underfunded, as a lot of us in the sector know, and unrecognized for the incredible work that the sector does and the frontline people in the sector are doing each and every second of every minute of every hour of every day, month, year, the whole deal. Because I don't know who does this work if it's not the leaders of nonprofit organizations and their teams. So my answer to that is, let's shine a light on these organizations. Philanthropy and focus, that's the light we shine. Every morning, every Friday morning, that is, I bring on a leader of a nonprofit to tell their story. And today, it's a double feature. I actually have two leaders of a nonprofit organization here. But before we even get into something, got to give a shout out to a couple of friends. friends. So I usually start the show. So this is a new shirt that I was sent over. It says Ringmaster, and I love it. I'll wear it at the beach tonight. Um, I say, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And last week I did that when Michael Kramer was on the show from the corporate source, and Linda Berman sent me <laughs> this T-shirt. And it says ringmaster. So if you can't see it, it's a big, it's like a, a big top and it's a red shirt and it says ringmaster. And um, just in case my head wasn't too big to get out of this attic, now I'm called the ringmaster. So I love you, Linda Berman. Love you, the corporate source. Michael Kramer, thanks for being on the show last week. T- this week, let's move forward. This week, I, you know, this is going to sound arrogant, but I just, it, it's kind of cool being Tommy D. And <laughs> it's kind of cool being Tommy D because you get to meet great people. And... Um, the nonprofit sector connector, right? That's what it's all about. It's about connecting for me. It's about the relationships. So one of the cool things is I get to meet great people, great leaders of these organizations. And, and these are friends of mine, you know, for the most part, the folks who come on the show are friends. These are people I know, like, and um, I I have no reservations or hesitations about how much fun we're going to have in the next 50 some odd minutes. So let's just jump right in. First of all, Amy Zaslansky and Eileen Minogue from Book Fairs are here. Ladies, just come off mute. And say hello. I'd like to say, before you say anything, I say this every week, and I used to say this before there was a show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to The Attic.
1: Thanks, Thank Tommy. For, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. It's, it's
0: <laughs> exciting to have you both here. It's it's We've never had two guests on the same program, and, and this is uh, certainly a trend we're going to start. So thrilled to have you here, thrilled to have this conversation. I'm going to do a little bit of background first before we even dive in, but what I want to tell, I've, we've had conversations, the three of us, but as my fans, wow, that's, that's that's aggressive. As my listeners know, what we try to do here is tell the story of the organization, but really start with learning about the leaders, learning about their connection to the space. So I'm going to read a little bit of Eileen's background, a little bit of Amy's background, and then really I think there's nobody better to tell the story than the two people that are here in the room with me. So Eileen Minogue is the Executive Director of the Book Fairies. She's a professional leader with experience in all aspects of business management, program administration, fund development, and volunteer engagement. And what many of us know who know Eileen in sort of the real world, not just the virtual world, is she's one of the co-founders and past Executive Director of Patient Airlift Services, PALS. Uh, which is a growing Long Island organization that's done incredible work, and we'll probably get. They've done work nationwide and international. We'll probably dive into a bit of that too in my research. I know that Eileen's very involved in the Massapequa community, the Massapequa uh, Community Fund. We'll probably talk a bit about that. But I always find that my people that come on this show, there's philanthropy somewhere ingrained in who they are and what they do, and it's a lot about the heart. I'm touching my heart right now. Um, I try to let people know who are not watching us on Facebook what what the uh, the visuals are as well. So let's move to Amy. Amy Zaslansky is the founder of the Book Fairies. Okay, so we have the founder, past executive director, and the executive director today, which is super exciting. Since the organization's inception in 2012, they've donated, I think the numbers are 2.7, I think when we talked yesterday or the day before, 2.8 million books. Where are these books going? To underserved schools, nonprofit organizations, hospitals, homeless shelters, soup kitchens, and correctional facilities. We're going to talk today about what what is the, the cyclical challenge of, of illiteracy and poverty, and how are these things kind of interwoven, and we're really going to get into that today. So let's just start with, I, I want to start with Eileen, tell me how you got drawn to nonprofit. And then after that, I want Amy to do the same. And let's just have this story about what what happened. What was the catalyst that, that Amy, you said, I need to create this thing called the Book Fair. So Eileen, tell us a bit of the background for you you personally, and then we'll shift over to Amy, please.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you uh, for the opportunity. Uh, I really started, I am a accidental uh, nonprofit executive director. I think Amy will say the same thing. Um I started really uh, when I was not working, I left the corporate world and I was working, you know, taking care of my kids. And I did a fundraiser for a little girl in my town named Christina Cowan, who had cystic fibrosis and her parents needed to go down to Duke do t- for a double lung transplant and their lives were being, you know, turned upside down. And they, had, they needed funding. So together with my community, I started doing fundraisers. And our community raised over $100,000 to enable them to go down to Duke. They lived there. She got her double trans- lung transplant. It was amazing. She came back. She was off oxygen. She did very well. Unfortunately, it wasn't the outcome that we wanted. She did pass a few years later. But that was really the start of it. And it just snowballed into a lot of other things that people asked me to do. And here I am today.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, real quick, before we hear from Amy, just tell me about PALS. How did that happen quick? Was that related to that other situation?
2: Uh, well, clearly, um, knowing the need for transportation when you need access to medical treatment outside of where you normally live, a flight that actually the dad of uh, Christina had just moved come back on a Sunday night to work the next day and the, the lungs came in. So they flew, they wound up, we wound up paying for a flight from Farmingdale down to Duke so he could be there in time before she got went in because you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, so that was how I knew that the transportation, uh, aviation transportation was needed. Uh, but I was actually working on the Massapequa Community Fund and we were work, I worked for a similar organization and um, some things happened and myself and one of the other um, board members from the other organization said we need to have a transparent organization that's doing the right thing with the money and just make sure that we're true to the mission. And that was how, you know, I was in my basement and working the only employee to start with and uh, very much like Amy, you know, grew it to be a a fairly successful organization.
0: So, so listen up folks, you could be in your basement or in my case the opposite, you could be in the attic right? (laughs) and you can, can see a problem uncover an opportunity and create something that makes long lasting impact. And that's what I want. So if you're a nonprofit leader, if you just have an inkling of an idea, right, you've heard this before, when you look around the room, look around any room, I'm looking around the attic, everything I look at, started as a figment, an idea, a seed in someone's mind. And I think nonprofit leaders have that same incredible ability where they see something and they say, I got to address this. I got to fix this problem or I got to make an effort at it. So let's Amy, same thing. What was it? Let's talk about what, what were you, did you have a background in philanthropy or, or was this like, I see this problem and I need to create the book fairs. Let's, let's talk about how that all happened.
1: I came about it actually in an opposite direction because I started out as an occupational therapist and did that for a number of years. Um, I moved on from there and had a small online business. And so I really always say that running the book fairies is my, my third life, my third career. And it was accidental in that way too. And I think between Tommy, Eileen and me, we've probably hit every every room in the house, because whereas Eileen was in the basement and you're in the attic, I started in the garage. So that's, that's really, things came together more from the fact that I was raised in a very philanthropic environment where my father was a teacher, but he had his hands in every aspect, whether it was a shoe drive, a canned food drive, um, cleaning up trash along a street. And so I think without realizing it, he just set such a firm example that one person can make a difference. And one thing that he has always said is that you have to support your community first before you move outside the community. And that's really how the book fairies has come together. And it has stayed community based and community driven, where um, as you can see, I have a bookcase behind me. I was
0: going compl- to comment on it because I know you're an avid reader and I see all those books behind you. So if you're not checking in on Facebook, you're not watching the video, Amy has a beautiful bookshelf behind her. So tell us about that.
1: So you know, I, I I was raised in a library and I would just go to the library, pick out tons of books. I'm I'm the kid that had the nose in the book the whole time and just loved disappearing into those different worlds. And what I came to realize after having three kids and reading and literacy was always such a prominent aspect within our family, is that people people have books on their bookshelf that they no longer need. So that was really where everything started. Where
0: though? What was the epiphany? Like what what actually what happened where you said, wait a minute? Or was it the kids are getting older and you had to move some of the books out? Is that part of it?
1: You know, it really came down to, I was looking around for a philanthropic venture and I came across a website where teachers in Hempstead were trying to raise money to buy books to send home with their kids over the summertime. I have so many books in my house. My neighborhood has so many books. And so we did a real quick book drive in the Belmore community. And in one week, we were able to collect over 3,000 books in a week, Uh, in a week so there the were, books So coming it, in.
0: We didn't even know there was a thing here. And then a week later, we have 3000 books, right? Like that's, that's what happens. That's and, how, and that's how
1: they happens. haven't yet. Yeah, they, they haven't stopped. And so it was really just this one simple idea of, wow, we have a community that has too many books, too much, too many resources. And then we have a community right down the street who's in need of those. So who is going to be that one crazy person that steps in the middle of it and just really facilitates the transport of the books from one area to the next area. I think
0: I have a guess who that one crazy person is going to be, but but please keep go on. <laughs> uh
1: and you know, it really it was a it was a one-off. It was a one-time book drive that I did. Um, I I was in the process of looking for a job. And the more that I received feedback from the people receiving the books, the people donating the books, I really rumorated on the whole idea of this basic concept of creating some type of organization that is, is just channeling books across. And then it it moved from my garage. Fortunately it moved from my garage into a warehouse and over 2 million books, just close to 3 million books later, uh, hitting nine years. We, we've really changed the face of illiteracy on Long Island and New York city.
0: So, so, Eileen Minogue and Amy Zaslansky are in the attic with your boy Tommy Day. The Book Fairies has given away approaching three million books. It started with a one-week book drive, and they picked up three thousand books. But somebody had to be the mechanism. Somebody had to be the bridge to get the books that are in good use or can be reused and get them in the hands that needed them. I am cranky about some things all the time. You, you know, I'm not going to stamp my feet like I do sometimes. But here's what I'm going to tell you: there, I, I live here on Long Island. And we live in a district where my children have classroom libraries. And I learned from Amy years ago when we first met that there are schools that don't have libraries. So listen to that again. My children have libraries in their classroom. Some schools in the entire school do not have libraries. Listen, there's this connection between poverty and illiteracy and illiteracy and poverty We're going to talk more about that. We're going to a two-minute break, but we will be right back here in the attic with Amy and Eileen from the book fairs. Come back and visit with us. See you soon.
3: You're listening to Talk Radio
2: NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting
1: 24 hours a day.
4: Are you a conscious co-creator? You're listening to
2: Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
4: Nonprofits need connections To move in good directions So cut through all the steps.
0: I don't know if that's a request, a command, a statement, but do that. Come through the static, man. Join me in the attic, man. It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. Philanthropy and focused. Stay focused, people. Stay focused on how you can make an impact. Stay focused on how you can add value. So Amy and Eileen are here from the Book Fairies, and we're talking about the impact that this organization has made. So Amy, 3,000 books to approaching three million books that have changed hands now i've experienced this i've been in the warehouse ladies and gentlemen i put a picture uh on the social media stuff yesterday Of i got the red apron on in fact I, I think i need my own apron but we'll talk about that maybe after the show um i'm not asking you to give it to me i'll buy the apron but i think it'd be cool to have my own tommy d apron so <laughs> um i've worked in the warehouse i've helped a bit I've, I've seen the teachers come from around um around long island around the city out of the Bronx, out, out of Queens with suitcases to, to take. And the, and the one thing that always struck me is there's no limit on how many books people can take, right? There's never been a limit. You guys just come off mute when you're ready to, but there's never been a, a limit. Um, if somebody wants to leave with cases and cases of books there, I guess you guys are secure enough to know that there's more books coming in the, uh, the front door as these books go out the back door. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, there are so many books out there, and it's really just up to the book fairies to help harness all the books that are sitting unused on people's bookshelves. Um, incoming books, we have uh, anywhere from 250 to 400 boxes of books that come in a week to be sorted, a week. And the flow hasn't stopped since the our doors opened in our book bank in Freeport. So we give out roughly 50,000 books a month. Uh, we are about half a million books a year. And that's even within the COVID time, which definitely stymied our distribution for a number of months. But by the summer, we were able to regroup and start spreading the gift of books again. So
0: uh, talk to me if you could, Amy, because you know this started out as... Hempstead school is looking for books to raise money, to buy books, whatever the case was, as you said there. And then what did you start to uncover as you really peel back the onion and aside from the need, but just the, what would be the impact of, of what's the impact of not having the books versus the impact of actually having the books? So I, I got cranky right before the break. And I said, you know, my kids have, you know, books in their classrooms and others don't have books in their schools. What is the impact? What does that look like? If you take that six, seven, eight year old child, doesn't have access to reading and you extrapolate that or pull that out over 20 years what what, how does that impact somebody if you could
1: you know it's really interesting because when i started as i explained before i just i love a good book because i i fall into it and you lose yourself in the story which is i think what a lot of people really think about with books and it wasn't until i really started doing research on literacy where i realized just how scary the numbers are um in fact Tommy, you're not going to believe this. This number was so, to me, off base that I actually had to call the New York State Education Office to make sure that the stat I was reading was correct. 70% of kids in New York are not reading at grade level. They're not reading at grade level. And so, so much of this, like you said, is this cycle of poverty. And these schools that are underfunded, under-resourced, Fifty percent of the schools that we serve don't have libraries, and the kids just don't have access to books. Whether it's in their school, whether it's at their houses, a lot of people are living in neighborhoods where it may be unsafe for them to use the library, depending on which neighborhood that library is located in. And so, what you're seeing is this uh, systemic poverty that's really stemming from illiteracy, and everything begins with the ability to be able to read. Um, so even taking it to the basic level, if you can't read, you can't order off of a menu. You can't fill out a job application. Uh, you can't just move through the different educational levels to graduate high school, to graduate college, to become a productive member of society. And that's where we really saw how the book fairs were so impactful because we were providing these resources that, that kids desperately needed to learn how to read, to practice their reading skills, so they could break that cycle of poverty.
0: So what, what we try to highlight on this show, everybody, is, is yes, the organizations that are solving the problems. But what, I mean, did, did you know, did you guys realize that 70%? Give me, give me this 70%. Say, tell
1: so, me that statistic again. Yeah, so 70% of kids in New York are reading below grade level. <laughs> yeah. But, and and across America, it's 54% can't read above a sixth grade level. So oh, wait, it,
0: adults, 54% of adults can't read above level.
1: Right, they can, yeah, they're reading below a sixth grade level. So it's it's not just a New York State issue, it's really a United States Issue and what that means is that it ends up costing the U.S. over 2.2 trillion dollars of our economy is lost to uh, healthcare costs, where people are sent, uh, people can't read the instructions from their doctor, so they end up going back to the hospital, um, workmen's comp and and uh, work accidents because they can't read the instructions for how to operate machinery effectively, and so. The good news is, if you want to look at this from a positive, because I think Eileen and I are more of the the optimist than the pessimist, is that if we can get um, people just graduating high school—that's all we need—if we can increase the number of people graduating high school and reading at a level three literacy rate, which is high school level reading—we um, can increase uh, the the GDP by ten percent. We can add that $2 trillion back into the economy. So this is not necessarily just, oh, these people can't read, that's so sad. It's, wow, these people can't read are impacting everybody in America. And together, we really can fix this problem and create uh, a more sustainable society. Oh,
0: look, not, not to kind of put you guys on the spot now, though, but to make to, to say that that's that's in, and that first of all it's an incredible impact that we can make by by kind of turning this in a different direction. Where does government fall into this? In your experience, is there whether it be on the state level or even if it's you know in Washington? Have you as an organization look? You're doing incredible work, so I'm not putting more on your back, but I'm curious, like from the from a legislative perspective, because you just said there's real dollars and cents in this if it's adjusted and fixed appropriately, have you done anything with, with legislators or, or approached Albany or, or DC or any of that? Well
2: cool. good. I was just gonna say, well, we're a small organization. We've, small but mighty, we've accomplished amazing stuff since from Amy's garage to almost 3 million bucks. It's crazy. But I'm the only full-time employee. Um, Amy has generously donated her time from, Almost as we're almost 10 years. Next year is our 10th year anniversary. For 10 years, she's been fighting this one book at a time. We don't have the bandwidth to go and do any kind of advocating. We're literally, our mission is books in and books out. But there are a number of organizations out there that that are fighting this. But when you talk about the inequities that are out there and people are talking about, we need to level the playing field. Um, And clearly, literacy is not just the books. We know that. But without the books, there's the problem because if you don't have the tool, you can't learn to read. So we can't fix all the problems of the world, but what we can do is we can start one book at a time. Mm-hmm. So if we we know that there are studies out there that if you're able to get books in front of kids at, at from birth to third grade and at, give them the right number of access to books, make sure that teachers have the right number of books, books in their classrooms. We know that it will help this process. We're just a, a piece of the puzzle, But we're an important piece. Um, Books aren't going anywhere. They shouldn't be going anywhere. Uh, Little kids should not be on tablets 24 hours a day. They should be having books in their hands. They should be learning how to read with a book in their hand. Um, There are so many studies about that as well. Uh, But I can't say this enough. You want to make an impact. You want to change all the inequities that we're talking about. Support the book fairies. Because if we can get the books in the hands of the kids, then we can make a change one book at a time, one child at a time. And guess what? If they're reading if they're not reading by third grade level, they're more three times more likely to be in, end up in jail, on welfare, or worse. We're all paying for that in the end run, but most importantly, those children who deserve it are paying for it today. So we need to take action and we need to get the books in the hands of these children. So
0: so I I have 1500 questions, but let's just Mm -hmm. start with the first one. What support the book fairies? Eileen, what does that mean? How does somebody support the book fairies?
2: Our first and foremost need is funding because we need to have, I just said to you, I'm the only full-time employee. We have three part-time employees where I say all the time, we're like five men short on a nine man field. Mm -hmm. So if we had the right people in the right, seats that would be one thing. Uh, So funding would enable us to do that. Our warehouse is generously donated by Amy's family. um, But we're overflowing with books. So we can't we can't uh, we have tons of books that want to come in. We actually have a waiting list. We have a waiting list today of educators that want books that they can get them in the hands of their students. We can't get them to them because we don't have a warehouse that's big enough. We don't have CDC and Uh, COVID have kind of restructured how we flow the books, um, and getting them out. We don't, have tra- we have our special needs partners who do our transportation. They're outstanding. I want to, I want
0: you to hold that thought because we're going to yes. go to a quick break, but I want to now, when we come back, I want to logistically, I've seen it, but I want to know yeah. what actually happens because people are yeah. listening. have never heard of the book fairies. Some people may have never heard of Tommy D. I don't know where you've been. I'm, a big <laughs> deal. I'm a, kind of a big deal. I'll tell you all about it. Just call me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's a
2: big deal, he's a big I, deal. Listen,
0: they're telling you it's not me, Eileen said it. Uh, All right. yeah. <laughs> we'll, be back in, we'll be back in two minutes, but when we come back, we're going to talk programming. I want to know the collaboration with the special needs community. I want to know what it looks like on that Sunday or two Sundays a month when people come. Well, prior to COVID, and now when we get more opened up, it is your friend, your buddy, your pal. Apparently, I'll show you the shirt again. I'll show you. Thanks, Linda Berman, the ringmaster. Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, in the attic as always. We'll be right back. See you in two minutes. Bye. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC Uplift, Educate, Empower. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Well, that's me. Join me in the attic every single Friday morning from 10 a.m. Eastern to 11 a.m. Eastern. And joining me in the attic, virtually at least, Eileen Minogue, Amy Zaslansky, The Book Fairies. I'm going to read something real quick before we jump into the conversation. The Book Fairies was founded by Amy Zaslansky, a busy mom who wanted to share her love of books as well as her overflowing home library with less fortunate children. She discovered that it was difficult to place her used books with the children who would benefit most. Fueled by her desire to make a difference in her community, she created the Book Fairies, which is a Long Island. That's my hometown, baby. Long Island-based nonprofit organization that accepts donations of new and gently used books and connects them with libraries, schools, and organizations throughout the metropolitan New York area who do not have funds to foster the love of reading for children. It's not only fostering the love of reading, though, gang, right? It's about game-changing stuff when we increase literacy, okay? Amy just shared with us that we need to, just by increasing people and getting them to a high school level and graduating from high school, is a game-changer. The birds are chirping. It's springtime. I I have to let, you know, I have to call it out because I hear the birds chirping outside my window. I really am in an attic. It's not a joke. It sounds good. (laughs) it It sounds like spring, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Hello, Birdie. It's been a long winter. Oh my God! Yeah, like lasted for like a year and a half. It feels yeah. like this winter.
2: Yes.
0: Uh, so I'm looking at programs. I'm looking on the website: children's programs, community programs. I know a bit about the global literacy program, where some books actually leave the states, and then the special needs partnership. For somebody who's never come down to Freeport, never stepped foot in a warehouse, never seen what goes on, tell me what what this. Well, don't I have seen it? But for other people who haven't seen it, tell them <laughs> what actually happens. What's it all about?
1: So I'll grab this one, Uh Um, and we are happy to have visitors come down at any point uh, to take a look and see what we do at the book bank, but it is very exciting. We have, at any given time, uh, about 15, 20 vans that are picking up books, dropping off books. We have volunteers in the warehouse that are sorting every book, checking them for age and condition. We really only want to give out the best of the best books to encourage people to read. And uh, the best part of it really is, is how we pick up and deliver these books.
0: So they're not your yeah. vans. They're not your employees. I mean, you're only full-time employees on the, on the meeting with us. So, so mm-hmm. who, who are they?
1: We don't, we don't even own a van. Y- you so don't own how, a do, van. how do we get these 300, 400 boxes in and back out uh, is really through this incredible partnership that we have with the, the special needs community. Um, They had come to me years ago. It was actually Life's Work, which is a fantastic organization, and had saw a posting that I had in a library requesting volunteers to help sort books. They showed up at my doorstep one day and said, we're here to help, and that created uh, almost an eight-year partnership that's now grown into 34 special needs organizations, almost 150 opportunities a week for the special needs to help out not only us, but, but to really give back to the community.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, before we move on, I just want to send a, I already mentioned them earlier in this program, but shout out to uh, Linda Berman and Michael Kramer, who were on the show last week at the corporate source. We talked when Michael and I, and uh, it was funny, it was the only show I've ever done, not from the attic. And uh, that's a hashtag hashtag, not in the attic, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, Michael and I were chatting and there's so much community that comes when we have a job and i don't necessarily mean in in the corporate source it's it's about a paid job but in your case this this volunteer type work and these alliances that you have with these organizations it gives us meaning it gives us worth when we have something we're doing and and you know not this isn't a a namby-pamby thing like by the fact these individuals are spending their their days making an impact for other people that has so much value in it so yeah it's great for the book fairies it's great to move the books around but Wow, what is the the net net? Like what is the impact, the ripple effect of you said 34 different organizations that, that are involved? That's 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 incredible. That's I'm we, not gonna ask you to name them all because that would take too long. I'm sorry, Eileen. Go ahead.
2: Please. I was just gonna say we love the corporate source and we love Linda Berman. She's a huge supporter of ours, but uh what Amy has created, which I always give her credit because she's very, she, she thinks outside the box. Clearly we've done a lot with a little, you know, Mm -hmm. um, mostly volunteers, but this program is so impactful because it's part of uh, one of the things that I enjoy seeing them coming in because our special needs individuals are so valuable. They have so much to give to our community and they are truly right. Amy will tell you the backbone of what we do. If we didn't have transportation for the books, we wouldn't exist.
0: You just couldn't do it. It doesn't matter. You can get the books, great, but now what do you do? You can't move them, right?
2: And they and and, and our special needs individuals that that donate their their talent and their time to us. They understand it. They get it. They know that they're doing something good, and they get it that it's for the children. And uh, Amy will also tell you that pre-COVID we had opportunities. Where we would have them come in for pre-vocational, you know, training, yep. um, they would learn sorting and and um, different tasks like that, and then that would enable them to get other jobs outside of the, the book fairies. Again, if we had, you know, we're limited with space with COVID, so we weren't able to have that uh, happen. But they continued throughout the year. You know, they stopped for a while. We all had to stop for a while. But the, the special needs really helped us to continue the
0: books going. Have you, guys hooked in, one time, have you guys hooked in with my friend, he's actually second episode of the show, Dr. Larry Grubler from Transitional Services, TSI NY over in Whitestone, Queens. Um, they have a bookstore on Bell Boulevard. I actually sit on the board of the Bayside Business Association, um, also involved with TSI on one of their committees for a long time now. But they have a bookstore, uh, Turn the Page Again. Have you guys hooked in with them, not to put you on the spot, but if, if not, I, we need to make you, meet Avi McCracken and, and Dr. Grubler. Are you aware of TSI? CSI. We are,
1: um, but we're we're always happy to have more connections and deeper relationships. Uh, Eileen's catchphrase that she says that I've really taken to heart is, "We serve more powerfully when we serve together," and so that's really our goal right now is to create an uh, an organization where all of the book nonprofits are working together to uh, more formalize the organization that that we're running to be as effective as possible. And then outside of that, I think the way that the Book Fairies has really thrived and grown as fast as it does is because it's really just based on the relationships that it has with other organizations. Um, Because we're more of a a third-party distributor in terms of the books, it's our relationships with the, the schools, the correctional facilities, the soup kitchens, the people that have the boots on the ground that are doing the distribution of books.
0: So talk, what does that mean? Like the correct, I, again, I, I'm sort of setting it up because I know, but what the correctional facilities, the, the soup kitchen, what are you talking about there?
1: So let, let's just go back. I, I'm more of the statistics side of things. Uh, yep. and, and I think that this one was particularly impactful is that 85% of kids that interact with the juvenile justice system are functionally illiterate.
0: 85% that end up
1: getting- Tommy, 70% of people in prison can't read above a fourth grade level. So you wanna talk about- think there's
0: something there, man? You think there might be a connection name? I mean, what are we talking about, gang? Come on. The
1: the correlation between crime and illiteracy. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a a stat that I just found, which really sums it up, what, what you're just saying about how they're connected, is that if- prisoners receive literacy remediation when they're in prison, there's only a 16% chance that they'll return to prison. The recidivism rate drops that significantly. If they don't receive literacy training, there's a 70% chance they're returning to prison.
0: 70% that these folks are going to get jammed up again because they can't read. Okay. Listen up, everybody who plugs into this program. I'm cranky. He's doing it again. He's going to start Hanging on the desk, but <laughs> 70% versus 16%. Shout out to Sister Tisa Fitzgerald, my friend, mm-hmm. the founder of Our Children in Long Island City. I can't tell you what episode, but maybe seven, 10, 12 weeks ago, she was on the program. Our Children, H-O-U-R, which is representative of the hours that moms lose with their children when they're incarcerated. Sister T was on the show. I don't know if you guys know her, but we need to, you do. I see I Eileen mean, yep. got the yep. nod. Yeah, I mean, they're yep. they're so special. 70% will have will end up back in in some sort of a penitentiary system or if they, if they're not literate if they haven't received literacy training 16% okay huge delta i mean amy that's the impact that's what you guys are doing
1: and so that's why with our programs we have a specific program through a partnership with the new york public library where we collect specific books for our correctional facilities to engage people to want to read, to provide high interest books. That's the biggest part of the book fairies is that it's not just about giving a book. It has to be a high interest, engaging book that will make people want to put down their It's got to be relevant,
0: right? right? It's got to be relevant. Sorry to cut you off, but it's got to be something I personally am interested in, or this individual is interested in, right? You know, just because I can bring the old Collier's encyclopedias that my mom has in her attic. That's not going to do it. Right. It's got to yeah. be something that's relevant to somebody that is, uh, you know, whether it be societally in their community or just germane to what their interests are. How do you fi- figure that out? How do you figure out what, like, do you get a shopping list from the the, 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 pr- the jails and the prisons? And how do you know what you're looking for?
1: Yeah. In, in this case, we do. It's very specific as to what they're looking for and the type of book that they are able to receive. So it is a specialty in terms of, with our volunteers to know exactly what kind of books, um, not only for the the correctional facilities, but for any of the other organizations that we partner with, we, we really need to tailor the books to fit the organization's needs.
0: So much here, this wasn't just, let's hook up the Hempstead School District or the school that needed 3000 books. Look, when you peel back this onion, there is first that there's so much society effect of what you're doing, but it's also very specific in the need. Thank you both for for being in the attic. We're not done yet. I'm just saying thank you because I don't think I said thank you enough yet. Thank you for being here. We're coming back right after this. When we come back, I want to hear about the readathon quickly. I want to hear about how people can engage with the Book Fairies and how they can support the Book Fairies. So we will be back, gang, in two minutes with Amy and Eileen from the Book Fairies. We'll be right back. Thank you.
4: You're
2: listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
3: Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19-related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.
4: Howdy! I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.
3: Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk
2: Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc.
4: Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions, so
0: cut through
4: all the
1: static,
0: join Tommy in his attic. So maybe it's a little more than a statement, maybe it's a request, maybe it's a command. Join me in the freaking attic, man. Come on, join me in the attic, because I'm telling great stories, I'm amplifying the message. My buddy, Michael Goldberg loves when I say that amplifying the message for nonprofit organizations, because I think it's critically important that we do just that. Uh, and, and maybe I, you know, if I think back in my mind, maybe some of it is because my buddy Ken Serini founded the Imagine Awards and the Imagine Awards is so critical first on Long Island and now in New York City. Didn't you guys win um, the fan favorite Imagine Award this year? Eileen, Amy, is that right? I, I didn't even know I was going to do that halfway through the sentence. I realized I was going to just spin that. Um, you guys We won. did. did you we won did.
2: We we won the fan favorite, which was um, meant the world to us because that means that people were voting for us, and we we pulled that out. We have we would be remiss if we didn't thank Ken Serini and the and the Serini team because when we talk about funding, um, there's a number of different revenue streams that come in. What Serini and Associates has done is they've. Um, wrapped their arms around us and our mission. And they've decided to adopt us as a charity of choice for uh, to present to their customers. So for every billable hour that they do, they put a book in a kid's hand. So how impactful is that to, you know, when you're looking for an accountant or, or an organization, I'm, I like people who get it and want to give back to the community. And so if I know that a portion of the money that I'm paying you is going to help somebody else, it's a win-win. So Ken, shout out to Ken and his
0: team for sure. Hundred percent. Ken is a very good friend of mine, good friend of the show, and I will mm-hmm. tell you, it's it's that commitment to the nonprofit sector, the Imagine Awards, the whole thing. It's it's that commitment that really makes the biggest impact. And um, what a what a great <laughs> way for for a, a for-profit business to align itself with a nonprofit. I talk a lot about strategic alliances. Let's let's talk about the the Readathon. Let's talk about the future of this organization, Eileen, and 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 tell me what you need.
2: Funding, 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 funding. We need funding. Uh, Amy, you know we're she's a founder. I was a found, Like I respect her immensely. We always have this honest conversation about we did so much in the beginning on the arms of volunteers. And it was amazing. We grew all these programs were going up and up and up, but we didn't have the pylons to hold the bridge. Mm-hmm. You, you need funding, you need people in seats, you need infrastructure. And that's what we've been working on for the last couple of years is getting infrastructure um, you know, locked and loaded within the organization. But funding is our top priority so that we can actually keep the books, sustain what we're doing now. And hopefully increase it so that there is no wait list, that there's just, we're flooding the the underserved communities with as many books as they need, that we're filling the void until the government or whoever fill, figures out how to best work this out. Because Amy and I would both be happy to find other things to do if we knew that kids would be in, taken care of. Right. But until they're not taken, until that day, we want to be able to flood these. And what I love about Amy is she saw a hole and she's trying to fill it. She didn't just try to come up with something that was, you know, whatever, made her happy. She saw a hole. She's trying to fill it. And we're trying to figure out how we can best do it. The readathon is our biggest fundraiser of the year. It is an opportunity for everybody to get engaged. We have corporate sponsorships. We have individuals can go on today, create a page, and they can go out and they can ask their circle of friends to invest in our mission. If we had a thousand people get a hundred dollars, it would be a hundred thousand dollars. It's as simple as that. A hundred dollars is not a lot to get. You can get that from your friends, from your mom, from your grandmother, from your community. A hundred dollars. That's all we're asking.
0: I got to interrupt and you, you go- for a second. So I put a little page out there, gang. Your boy, Tommy D, philanthropy focused, nonprofit sector, the guy in the attic with the great hair. I put something <laughs> out there. <laughs> I slipped that one in there. I put something out there. So if you want to support me, you love the show. Here's what you can do. I don't even know how to tell you to get to it. So send me an email. How do I, how do I tell them to get to my page? <laughs>
2: uh, well, we can set, we can put it out on. I'll give you the link, and you can yeah. put it on your social media pages. Right. I
0: have a I have a page. I put fifty bucks in there. I'd like you guys to help me out with that. So if you if this is impactful, if the last twenty episodes of the show have been impactful, please please uh, do that. But send me a note, uh, Tommy D. on the Instagram. Send me an email, TommyD. D. Uh, Tommy D. at Philanthropy and Focus com p-h-o-c-u-s um but so that's the big fundraiser fundraiser the readathon and that's going through the end of this month right yes it's but going it's not through, about yeah. money it's about like read 30 minutes a day there's more it's, to it it's,
2: right? it's like any a-thon a marathon walkathon. thon we're asking people to commit to reading for 30 minutes a day but while you're committing to reading 30 minutes a day we want you to also commit to bringing in your circle into our mission making people aware of what we do. And I can't hammer this home enough because there's so much out there in the news about inequality and all all that's going on in our world. And we all know that a lot of it exists. We are a conduit to stopping so much of it. If we educate our children, the cycle of poverty that stems from illiteracy changes. You change the trajectory of these children. It starts with the book, and reading is essential, reading is essential, and it starts with the book. If we can't get these books in these kids' hands, you know, we just went through the gamut of what could happen. Let's change the trajectory. Let's get these kids educated and give them the same. A kid in one zip code should have the same access to books as a kid in, in a higher income area. 100%,
0: that absolutely. Talking, yeah. We're not talking about the third world here, gang. We're no. talking about freaking Long Island. Okay. Yes. You're a Long, Long Island, Island. You know how it is. Sorry. I mean, we're stepping on each other. If you know Long Island, you know, like we're, it's dense. It's, you, you know, you have the haves and you have the have nothings like literally next to each other. And that's not right. It's tragic. We, we don't have time for me to get cranky and get you on know, the soapbox.
2: But what I'm trying to say is, you people who are listening have the power to make a difference, and they can support us. Create a page, make a donation, get involved. You know, we're, there's, there's, it's simple. Put a book in a kid's hands. Let's get our our goal through COVID was to get 10 books in each in a kid's home because that's that's the start of of creating the uh, path path to literacy. Uh, we need funding to do that, so get involved. Give us, you know, figure out ways to invite your friends and, and help us to raise awareness and funds for
0: our mission. Tell me a quick story. Tell me a story about, so it's been 10 years now, or it'll be 10 years. That means you've impacted young people who are not young people anymore. Is there a story that you can share with me about somebody who's come back to the book fairies and said, as a result, Amy, of you doing this thing, here's how my life has sort of changed?
1: You know, it's interesting because we don't deal directly with individuals. We more get the stories from teachers. And that's that's where the strength of our mission really comes through. Uh, one thing that I want to share, which which is very surprising, is that they found as as kids learn how to read and they become more literate, they become more engaged in class, mm-hmm. and they've noticed that the behaviors of the kids start to drop. And so, situations where kids are being sent to detention the numbers are dropping significantly and kids are staying in school. They're more engaged and they're more involved. Um, We just had recently a teacher pick up books and there's a student living in a homeless shelter. He can choose from anything as a behavior reward in order to keep him engaged. And he has now chosen books as his behavior reward. Um, You know, it's not about a toy or a game or, or free time. And so, that's where we really see the true impact. But it, doesn't, it, act, doesn't, do it. Just,
0: doesn't that just make sense? Like, why am I acting out? Well, because I'm bored, because I'm not engaged, because it doesn't make sense to me, or I'm having difficulty learning or reading, right? So, but oh, now I can read it. Now I'm enthusiastic. So it's kind of, not to make it basic, but it seems kind of basic to me. Like that. that's sort of, I was on the phone with, with a, a new friend of mine this morning. We were chatting and, um, and this individual mentioned that, um, you know, learning disabilities and dyslexia and things like that, that go on or used to go un, under um, what am noticed. It, under noticed or right. Or unrecognized. Diagnosed. Thank you. Yeah. Undiagnosed. You know, these are the things like, why do kids act out? You know, sometimes it's just because I'm, I'm bored and I'm not into this thing, but other times it's like, because I, it doesn't, I'm having trouble communicating. It's not working here. So I love what you guys are doing. We're, we're almost at time. So here's what I want you to do for me. How do we get in touch with how do people get in touch with you to support the book fairies?
2: They can go to our website at the They can email us at info at the book They can follow us on Facebook. That's a great way to see what's going on and happening or Instagram where, where the, uh, the book fairies on Facebook and where the book fairies, New York on Instagram. Um, we we would love any any opportunity to introduce you to our, our mission and our message because it's simple. Reading is essential and it starts with the book.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Eileen, for the impact you've made, the impact you're going to continue to make. And I love the alliance you have, the founder and the current ED. I love it. I want and I I know a bit about what you're going through together, working together, but I want to watch this and watch you guys grow together and, and take this thing to the next level. So here's a couple of things I want everybody else to listen in for. Uh, stay tuned. My buddy Steve Fry will be here right after me, the SMB guy. He's going to have his shades on. He's probably cleaning the lenses on his sunglasses so he can put them on. That's Steve's show. It's Friday. It's always Friday. Love you, Steve. Um, after that, Jeremiah Fox, Entrepreneurial Web, Joseph McElroy, Wise Content Creates Wealth. He'll be rounding off this four show block on Fridays. Next week, I want you to join me. Solace House. Solace House provides confidential therapeutic counseling for anyone who is experiencing suicidal thoughts or suicidal distress. As well as those who are engaging in self harm or, or considering that, they will be here next week. Actually, it's a two for again. Danielle Gallagher and Elizabeth McGinnis will be here in the attic with Tommy D. I want you to come in and plug in for that show. How do you find me? Tommy D. dot NYC on the Instagram. I always tell you NYC stands for New York City. I say that to break my kids' chops because they say, "Dad, they know what NYC means." Tommy D. NYC, the nonprofit sector connector. Send me an email if you want to catch up. Tommy D. at Philanthropy and Focus. Amy, thank you for being here. Eileen, thank you for being here. Everybody, make it a great weekend.
2: Thanks, Tommy, for thank having you us. so much. Thank you.
0: Nonprofits
4: need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic.
1: You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at
2: www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
0: Hey, everybody! It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi,
4: I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership you on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content, Nigs wealth.